Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. We're back on the things we say in the month of October, yes. making this a calendar year since we began the podcast. Yeah. Awesome. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. We're glad to be back with you guys. We are. We took two weeks off. Yes. But I'm, I'm bouncing my feet up and down with anticipation yes. of what we're about to talk about tonight. Yes. Although uh, we will say Sheldon was gone. That's why we, that's why, well, he was going to be gone. And so we thought it would be a good idea to... That wasn't the sole reason. Wasn't there something else going on? I, I mean, it was, it was easier because I was getting my floors redone, I think, oh, too. Oh, yeah, we had a church thing last Oh, right. Last we had Sunday revival night. services. Right, yes. right, right. There we go. We so don't Nate, know, we don't know was, what we're about. Nate was working last <laughs> I week. I was working. And I was, uh, yeah, I was going to be working all week out of town. So. so here we are. So we're back. A calendar year into the podcast. At least, well, we started January of 17 right but we didn't start posting but we didn't post anything yeah until about a year ago yep and we posted some conspiracy theories to kick everything off because <laughs> that seemed appropriate and then we went straight into christmas yep no joke <laughs> and then we really hit our stride in like january february yeah and we committed to you guys and we said we're just gonna do this whether whether you guys listen or not, whether <laughs> whether you like it or not, we enjoy it. Yes. So and here we once are. Once you cross that threshold of saying, I just enjoy this and I'm going to make it happen. That's right. And that happened for both of us and we just kept on going. And so here we are. There's some things that we'd like to do differently. There's some things that we'd like to add, that kind of thing. Um, but it's, we found it's coming slowly and that's yes. okay. We're just going to keep right. plugging away. We'll be patient. That's right. We are nothing if not patient. Yep. And I'm also, you know, some people ask how big our podcast is. I'm not sure you, it really makes a blip when you look at big, huge podcasts. Oh, of course. When you look at like a Joe Rogan right. or something like that. Joe Rogan's we like the king of podcasts. Tiny potatoes. <laughs> yeah. He is he is literally the king of all things podcast. Yeah. He was doing this before anyone else was. Yeah. Or even some people that call themselves podcasts but are really a YouTube show and right. they just and really put a podcast just because they want to squish people like us. Yeah. <laughs> All of our hopes and dreams. Yes, it's dash okay. them into the ground. We're not in it for the profit. We're just here because we enjoy it. Yes, because there is no profit <laughs> currently. <laughs> but maybe that'll change someday. Who oh, knows? there's definitely not profit. No, we're probably going to spend. I'm spending money on it tomorrow. So yeah, yeah, it's true. Fun. We are spending money on this constantly. <laughs> eh, what are you going to do? So, I, I always tell people, all my hobbies are expensive. What are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shooting is far more expensive than this. It's true. And being a musician as well. Very. Yeah. Anyway, but do you have for us tonight a did you know? I do. All right. Did you know that there exists oh, no. such a thing as a doomsday vault? And mm. I believe it is in Greenland. I should have done my research better. Okay. But it's definitely in like an Arctic area where there's, and it's down below like the frost line and all of this. Okay. And it's down where they can control the temperature just by the ground. It's going to be at 
an ambient temperature that's always going to remain the same. Okay. And even if we would go to like a nuclear holocaust, this doomsday vault is going to be the same temperature. Okay. And in this vault, they are putting seeds from all around the world. Different countries are donating seeds to this vault and they're packaged uh, but labeling what they are, but they cannot be crossbred with anything. They have to be heritage seeds. Okay. So that if everything went to crap, eventually you could go and you could open this vault and you could replant all these plants that currently exist. Theoretically. Upon the earth. Defi- depending on what, how, how altering whatever that tragedy would be. Okay, so I've done some thinking about the oh, Tuesday no. Vault. And Here it's, we go. it's fascinating. You can watch it on YouTube. They'll take you inside. You can look around. And the logistics are awesome. And I'm like, okay, this is really a lot of time and a lot of effort from a lot of nations and scientists. And I really appreciate all their efforts. Yeah. But are we supposing that at some point... <laughs> Things will be bad enough that every single plant life that currently exists will be gone, and we will have need to regrow all these plants. And to do so, we have to make it to Greenland somehow. <laughs> know where this place is in the Arctic, probably without the internet. Yeah. Open it, which seems difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Get the seeds out. And the ground that isn't currently supporting any plant life whatsoever is going to be able to support and seeds. And just suddenly accept this. That, yes. And then, no, yeah. that's the other problem. We're in Greenland now, and we've opened the vault. Right. Now we have to go to a place that will actually plantable. grow. This is not located in a place right. that will grow anything. Yeah. You now have to take them a good thousand miles or more Well. Oh, really, really what I have heard. So air travel still exists. Boat travel still exists. In this world where something catastrophic has happened. to open the vault still exists. Yeah. But plant life does not. Yeah. Yeah. It's a noble, it's a noble endeavor. Yeah, but I feel like it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, there's holes in that. I, but I have heard a theory that part of, and, and this edges towards conspiracy theory, Okay. but I have actually heard a theory that the reason this vault exists, because I did know about this, I, I had forgotten about it, but I did know about this, is that because seeds are becoming, with companies like Monsanto and things like that, that are controlling uh, the, the uh, basically eliminating heritage seeds and, and putting their product out there that are genetically modified and have these specific things that if something were to hit a specific crop that would wipe it out because there is uh, genetic material from all of basically everything having hints of the same genetic material that it could have the potential to wipe out all of these other crops as yeah. well. And so basically I think like in the, this what case, what happened to the American chestnut? Yes. Yeah. In this case, it's literally a, a case of if something goes wrong with our genetic genetically modified seeds, we know we can go back to square zero or square one and start over again. I don't think it's necessarily related to a nuclear or, you know, celestial catastrophe that would alter the very soil that See, we that would plant in. See, that sounds way more rational than what was playing out. In yeah, head. yeah, but but I've 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 heard yeah, yeah, but yeah. I did there, know that. I feel better. I, yeah, I actually did know that, but I had forgotten about it. So I, I appreciate you bringing it back to my, back to my memory because that is entertaining. That that reminds me of our 
topic for tonight. Yes. Our topic for tonight is that things are not getting worse. They are getting better. <laughs> Our goal tonight is to not talk about Donald Trump. So yes. if you came here for Trump, you should be disappointed. Yes. Um, what, I, what we would like to talk about is more global things or things maybe in American politics that were at one time worse than they are now. Yes. And the, what we're trying to combat here, and like I said, the, this podcast is very small <laughs> in the scheme of all the media that you will hear all week long. Long, but the steady drumbeat throughout culture is it's getting worse. Yeah. And here's how today was worse than yesterday. And here's how 2018 sucks way worse than 2017. Did. Right. And it's just a steady drumbeat all the time. And every time there's a new year, it's it's awful. Yeah. You get on Twitter right around the turn of the new year, it's like, man, I hope 2019 is not so devastatingly awful as 2018 yeah. was. And it's just garbage. Yes. The world, there, there's a lot of things about our world that is getting massively better. Not just incrementally yeah. better, but we are, as, as an American society, w there are major gains that have been made. And as a globe, yeah. the conditions on the globe as a whole are better today than almost any, any point, point that you history. can point to in, in the history of mankind. And yet, people today by far, think they're worse off yeah. than they did at any other point. Right, right. Life expectancy is longer. Well, we'll get into yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get into all of that. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I do think it's funny because I, there is just this human tendency to like, we want to find what is wrong with the world. And I think it's mostly because people want to explain why they're unhappy. Uh, you know, I, I remember hearing a routine from Louis C.K. before he disappeared due to his sexual misconduct allegations. Yeah. Although... I think he's back. Yeah, I think he's making a comeback right now. But um, where he talked about... We've talked about this routine where he talked about the world is amazing and nobody's happy. <laughs> and he goes into all these things about how we get mad at cell phones because it's, you know, it's not doing something quick enough. And he's like, it's going to space. It's going to space and coming back down and coming... And you're mad because it's not happening in seconds rather than a minute. He's like, what's wrong with you? Give it a minute to get back from space. <laughs> yes. And I think that's the truth. I think, I think that right now we... We as, especially in the West, particularly in America, we have such amazing things and we have such incredible access to information. And really, there is, there is no limit to what we have. Uh, even, even the poorest among us, the, the, the ability to have the things that we have and have the information we have and have the access that we have is completely unprecedented. But we're still unhappy. Uh, yeah. overall as people and as, as culture. And so I think that there's just this need to point to somebody or something or some dark whatever and say, this is why I am unhappy. This is why my life is not going correctly. Instead of just saying, maybe I'm just bad at it and I need to improve my skills a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So this morning I, I gave you a task and I'm not sure how much of this you did. Yes. Um, to talk a little bit about historical American politics. Yes. Because uh, when it comes to students of history, I would rate Nate a little higher than me because mine is more anecdotal and Nate has more of the facts stored away in yeah. his brain. I'm mostly but, just going to go with the things I've already, I already know versus the things that... Sure. Yeah. 
Um, so historically, what we're being told is that political divisions in America have never been deeper than they are today. Right. And political discourse is <clears throat> at an all-time low. We can't even talk civilly to each other. Right. You have Hillary Clinton last uh, month or so being like, we can't be civil with these people. Because they're not, you know, we can't be civil. We can't have civil discussion because they're so far over this way. And I'm like, can I just address one thing with that? Because I have to now that you specifically brought that situation up. For those of you out there, my friends, who are more leftist and you buy into that whole thing of the, of the Republican Party moving more right over the past X amount of years. I want you to go back. Because you can look at the Republican Party platform from every four years when they reorganize and do whatever. They I have want you, conventions yes, about this I want thing. you to go back and look at the historical, uh, all of the conventions from Lincoln on, because Lincoln was the first Republican president. Tell me how much the party platform has changed in that hundred and some years. Because it's not much. Do the same thing with the Democratic Party. You will not find that to be true. It will be drastically different than it was when it was founded. And I'm not saying that as a slight to either party. What I am saying is somebody saying that the, the, that the Republican Party has moved farther right is being completely disingenuous to what is actually happening. If anything, the Republican Party has moved left on some issues uh, of things like gay marriage, taxation, some different things like yeah. that. So please go actually look at that. Don't just say things, and please, for the love of all that is holy, don't ever quote Hillary Clinton as a source for anything. <laughs> ever. Ever. I don't care what it is. Don't quote her. Um, anyway, sorry, that was just a little, a little <laughs> random rant that I had but to get we can't, on. Yeah, it's the whole thing about civility and how it's gone in yes. American politics. But yeah, it, as if there existed at one time this, this time where we could sit yes. down and comfortably discuss politics and nobody got their feelings hurt. And I, I would argue that that time only existed when the establishment uh, in Washington was not being threatened by any sort of outside force whatsoever. Their power was completely controlled and it didn't matter, matter whether you had the Republican candidate in or the Democrat. Things were going to continue exactly as they were. Yes. So George H.W. Bush, <laughs> Bill Clinton with a Republican Congress, George W. Bush with a Republican or Democrat Congress. Their results were pretty much the same. I mean, Clinton, you know, outlawed gay marriage and he did... Well, there was a there was a myriad of other things, but oh, deregulation that right. they want to point to as being the fault of the housing collapse. All that was done under Clinton. Yeah. You know, yes, you have a Republican Congress, but you know, H. W. Bush had a Democrat Congress and Right. And, and there his it was. son also had Democrat right. Congress. So like when you're looking at it, during that period of time, maybe our political discourse was not quite as polarized, but it's only because Nobody's thing was being threatened. Like right. If you had Gore Lieberman well, in, instead of Bush Cheney, yeah. What was the big difference? Right. Well, and that's one of the things that's interesting because other than George Washington, there has never been a lack of controversy in particularly presidential elections. Yeah. It just has not existed. Um, you know, everybody loved George Washington. They wanted him to basically be the king of America, and the man had enough integrity and wanted to be in politics so little that he said, I'm serving two terms and I'm done. And yep. he said, this is what should be done. Follow my example. And everyone did until you got to freaking FDR, and that's a whole horrifying thing in and of itself. But um, 
he was unanimously loved. I mean, he was unanimously uh, voted to the president. Like, there was nobody opposing that man. Nobody even tried to yeah. oppose that man when he ran. Um, and then as soon as he stepped down and said he would not run again, everything changed. Because you had Adams and Jefferson, who Jefferson was this eloquent thinker, uh, you know, Renaissance man, brilliant man, but but... Yeah. He honestly, he probably would have had a lot of the same qualities that made Barack Obama a, a likable candidate. Very well spoken, very well a mannered, good liked, yeah, good yeah. orator, liked, you know, people liked him. Um, and John Adams was a very unpleasant man. Uh, I, I would probably, brilliant man, I mean, absolutely brilliant man, but he was, he was, he was prone to moodiness. He was just an, he was an unpleasant uh, little man. Um, and him and Jefferson were great friends, literally great friends, and then they ran against each other. Oh, like Hillary Clinton and Trump. Oh, I know. Yeah, go figure that. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't going to bring them but up. But they, <laughs> they, they were. They both controlled newspapers yeah. uh, that were national newspaper at the time. Not the party, the individuals. Adams and and Jefferson. Now Jefferson actually controlled one. Adams just had family who was who was a part of one, so he didn't have direct control. But they were printing the worst things about each other and the worst things about – and it was always done third party. So, yeah, Jefferson wasn't really the one saying this. His campaign wasn't saying it. Oh, wait. It. I thought Twitter started that. Oh, no, no. <laughs> uh, people accused uh, – Jefferson – I know more about it from, from the Adams-Jefferson perspective because I've read more about John Adams than Jefferson. But he accused uh, – one of the papers accused uh, – uh, Adams of being a, a hermaphrodite and saying that all of his children were fathered by other men uh, oh, wow. because he was not able to uh, produce <laughs> offspring. Um, it, you know, that it was just horrible things that were said. And, and again, things that would go on on Twitter Wasn't now. It Jefferson that said if you elect Adams, your children's heads will be on pikes. Oh, yes. And your oh, yes. blood will run in the streets. Yes, because, yes, yes. Because that's civil discourse. Yes, and and so so civil discourse in politics has never existed. It is not a thing. Um, I mean, people went after Abraham Lincoln and talked about him being illiterate and talked about him being a fool and talked about him. I mean, it was, it, they were very hard on this man. And not only that, when he won election, it literally fractured the country the instant he got elected. Uh, and we went to war. So, so yeah, we've not been to war with each other since then and probably will not. And you look back and everybody thinks of Abe Lincoln as a great uniter. <clears throat> I, yeah. People divided over him more than anyone else. Right. And he wasn't even that inflammatory. Right. People didn't even like him on the, on, the, on the north. You know, after the war had gone on long exactly. enough, they wanted to get rid of him. He barely won re-election. Yeah. And then he got shot. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's another thing with political discourse. We've stopped shooting our presidents. Yes. This is a good move yes. in the American culture. Yes. yes. We haven't shot a president in a good long while. No, we have not. There have been a couple attempts, on, but it's been sure. from weird outside sources. And but if yeah. you count shoes. Yeah, I count shoes. <laughs> Although we did talk about the one hand grenade yeah, that true. didn't go off. For, for George W. Bush. But, but it's, it's just interesting to me because there's, there's – as political discourse goes, it has never been – it's always been ugly. It's just – I mean you can go back and look at old newspaper clippings and different things like that. It's always been ugly. The only thing that's changed now is, is that we have – we have a media that is invested in ratings and clicks versus being invested in, in 
correct information. Now, there's always been disinformation in media. That's always been the case. But I'll never forget a couple of years ago watching uh, during the the anniversary of the Kennedy assassination, watching um, they were doing one from uh, Walter Cronkite's perspective of the day. And him talking to the news team, and they kept coming with all these wild theories and all these, oh, I heard this, I heard that. And he was literally holding off like, what do you know? Tell me what you have confirmed because I will not go on the air with any, we think that it may or we might. Like, I will know. I don't want to be first. I want to be right. And I thought to myself, that kind of integrity does not exist anymore in news. It's who can be first. Yeah. And we'll pick up the pieces and print retractions on back pages later. Yeah. But it's all about that. And so that has, that has pushed the toxicity of political discourse to the forefront. And now, of course, there's the unholy alliance between entertainment and politics that has not existed like it does today. Um, so that, those things, in terms of political discourse, that part of it has gotten worse but the actual discourse has not gotten worse. You know, somebody, somebody made the case this week in a show that I was listening to that um, comics, yeah. you just think of comedy, say like, okay, 5% of America is probably genuinely funny. So maybe 5% of plumbers are extremely hilarious. <laughs> 5% of electricians, you know, you get yeah, the picture. Yeah, so totally. probably 5% of people have this gift of being really, really funny. So... Of our comics, 99% of them completely Democrat left-wing. Yeah. How is that possible? That can't, that's, that's not real math. Right. That can't possibly be true. Right. That these are the funny people in The America. only funny people. Yeah. Yeah. There's something going on. Yeah, that there's, part of it is. There's something in the water somewhere. At some point, there's a gate that's being kept. There's something right. that allows for this to happen no without a doubt without a doubt and and um somewhere there's a funny plumber that is not getting a job as a comic because his political political, yeah are are not not are not in lockstep (laughs) yes it's it's true it's true um and again you you just have to look at it you're right you just have to look at the percentages and it just doesn't add up yeah um but yeah so that aspect of it is the only part of that has gotten worse that it is at best it's stayed the same or at worst, I mean, it stayed the same. Yeah. Uh, you know, political discourse has always been ugly, and then people turn around and, and shake hands with each other and move forward. And um, when you talk about freedom of the press, when Jefferson writes that into the Constitution, all that freedom of the press, is is exactly what Twitter is. Yeah. And is exactly what Facebook is and all of this. We just have a different media. Right. They were doing the same thing, printing, printing ugly leaflets about the other candidate and disseminating it across the colonies. Right. And it, it was the same thing. And, and people ignored it then and rolled their eyes at it then too. Exactly. Unless you already were convinced of that, and then you're like, yes, this is confirmation bias, and it's awesome. So when you're like, oh, hate online is getting worse and worse. Yeah, no. Wait, no. People are just online. People well, and really, like this forever. really, you have more ability to get away from it now than you ever yeah. have. Because you can choose, pick and choose your information. You can pick and choose where you're getting it from. And... You can get away from any aspect of it and not hear any of the things you don't want to hear pretty much exclusively if that's what you want to do. So really, we have become the masters of the information we take in. Um, we're not good at regulating that, but we have. We can plug in or unplug or do any of the things we want to do. We just don't and then complain about it. So, all right. So our political discourse is not necessarily worse. No. At best, it's slightly better 
than yes. it has been than it started at the founding of the country. Yeah. And even if you go through Nixon and Kennedy and more recent presidents, it was just as awful. Yeah. It, I mean, go back and look at some early nineties cartoons, political oh, yeah. cartoons that had yeah. Bush I was telling... and Clinton and Perot and, and all those guys. Oh, yeah. And the, the awful things said about Perot. Yeah. And the dude was just Well, and I was telling Sheldon, you know, earlier this morning, you know, everybody talks about, well, you know, and I will mention him now, but you know, Trump being a Nazi or conservatives being a Nazi. And like and, and people freak out like this is a new thing. I remember when 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 George W. Bush was going to be a Nazi. And then I remember when Mitt Romney was going to be a Nazi and when John McCain was going to be a Nazi. And like, this has been a thing for a while. This is not, and, and everybody on the left always gets labeled a socialist or a communist. Like this is just what it has become. This is, this is just what it has become. Um, so those are the current buzzwords of, of, of the day. And for all the people that want to point to the people that said, Oh, Barack Obama is a Muslim, which was another one that came up. Uh, Romney's Mormonism was just as demonized. I don't. Well, I don't know the, if you guys. But the reality of the question is, is uh, the reality of that is like, does that actually matter in terms of American governance? Exactly. No. So. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole Any, thing. Anywho, a um, couple. Okay, so there. It comes from a website called HumanProgress.org, but I have a list in front of me of like forty different things that have. That it, ways in which the world is better now, yeah. Than than uh, that it's getting better than it ever was at any point in history. Um, one of the things that's mentioned here is that women today spend less time on laundry than at any point in history. Nice. And I'm like, that's yay. Yeah. That's, that's progress, right? Yeah. Without a doubt. All all you ladies should be celebrating this because <laughs> even 50 years ago. Anyone who was a woman spent more time on laundry than they do today. And globally, the number of women in the labor force has never been higher at any point in world history than it is today. Well, and oddly enough, those things are very, very directly linked. Exactly. Because we have, you know, and, and I'm not knocking women's liberation movements or, or, or women getting the vote or any of that by saying what I'm about to say. What has really freed up women is not having to be the the sole mechanism for caring for the home anymore. And yeah. technology has done that. You know, having, having... They haven't been replaced by men at home. They've no. Been, they've been replaced... By a technology. Lot of, a lot of their daily tasks. I read something somewhere, and it wasn't on this site, but somewhere about the amount of time the average woman would have spent on making bread yeah. in her lifetime compared to today. Almost no time is spent today making yeah. bread. And if you do, I mean, you're, you're an extreme outlier. It's a novelty at, yeah. at most. And you're you doing know. it for fun. Yeah. Because you're a foodie. Yeah. Not because you have to for your family. Right. But that used to be a huge part of every day for any woman. Right. Well, young and, or old. And the reality of it is, I, I remember uh, watching a, a, a little bit of a British show that happened a few years back. And I don't remember what the name of it was. Well, it was more than a few. I think it was in like the, the 70s maybe the 80s, but it was basically a bunch of current-day British people who went and, and lived like they were back in the, I don't know, the 14th century or whatever for a year. Yeah. Like they, they gave them, they set them up in a compound. They kind of did this whole thing, said, here are the tools you're allowed to use. They didn't even know the skills. They're like, you're going to have to learn these as you go. We'll give instructions, whatever. And they lived like that for a year. 
And one of the biggest things that they talked about was like, there was just no time to do anything but the things that were essential for survival. We were either making food or cleaning animals to make them food or hunting things or we were harvesting things or we were planting things. Like we, that's all we could do was just so, to maintain and, and, and try to live for that year. And so that has totally, technology overall has totally revolutionized even the things we think of as problems. Yeah. Um, we're able to have discussions over things like race and gender and uh, people's role in society because we're not worried about these, these more life essential things. So we now have the ability and the time to discuss and to pontificate and to argue and to do all these things, which, you know, even 150 years ago would have been much more difficult than they are right now. And again, the further back you go, they become nearly impossible. So worldwide, the amount of forests are increasing. Nice. I didn't know that. Deforestation is not a real thing. You can point to it in particular areas. Right. But once a country crosses $4,500 per capita GDP, yeah. they begin afforestation. It's actually a luxury of the wealthy. Great Britain is about to have more forests than, than at almost any point going back. I think it, oh, what was that? I just saw it. My bad. I'm, I'm on the wrong site, but I just read it. But it goes back hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. Yeah. Because you're talking about societies that were designed around surviving. Yeah. Like you were talking about surviving was everything. And when you're surviving, that tree is fuel to heat my home. Right. Or it's taking up ground that I could be used to try and feed my family. Right. And so it's gone. Right. Like you don't have the luxury of like worrying about big trees right. when you're in a survivalist mentality. Right. But as societies get more and more wealthy, they begin to worry more about these types of things. So a couple countries that have just crossed that 4,500 uh, per capita GDP threshold that are starting to see afforestation yeah. is China and Russia and... Um, what was there was a couple other ones given, but those were the two biggest yeah. ones, and that's a large reason for it. Now the forests are are not being cut down at the rate they are in a survivalist right. society or survivalist culture, and and one of the few places that uh, deforestation is still happening at a large rate is Africa and right. sub sub-Saharan Africa, where the deserts are still expanding because people are in still in a survivalist society right. and they're turning their trees into charcoal. Right. And it's, you know, stuff like that. Like it's afforestation is a real thing. And it's not being calculated in on anybody that does deforestation yeah. studies. So, well, yeah. and again, going back to information, you know, do you guys realize the revolutionary effect of having the modern smartphone? Yeah. I mean, literally having the ability to carry in your pocket, literally almost literally at least, all of the information that there is in the world. I mean, you can find anything at a, at a moment's notice at the click of a button. No one has had access to this kind of information. No one has had access to this kind of, of knowledge, the database of knowledge that we have um, today. And again, we take it for granted every day, you know, ability to use GPS, the ability to make a cell phone call, you know, like it's nothing, uh, the ability to avoid talking to people on the phone and so sending text messages instead. Like all of the things that we do every day on a smartphone 
are, I mean, people would have literally killed for this technology a very short time ago. I wouldn't necessarily say in my lifetime, but really close yeah. to in my life, maybe even in my lifetime. I don't know. Yeah. But these would have been revolutionary technologies that governments would have gone to war over. And now we all have them in our pocket every single day. And since, since 1995, we've added about 2 billion people to the world. Yeah. And we were all told that population growth mm. was one of the biggest things that's going to face the next generation. And we can't, the earth cannot possibly sustain more people than it currently does. Right. And all of that. We've added that many more people to the world. And uh, the number of people suffering from extreme starvation has dropped. Yeah. Per capita. Right. Not even per capita, not by percentage, but number of people has dropped. Just, oh, okay. Okay. Has dropped overall. Okay. Because back in 1995, think about it, bottled water wasn't a huge thing. Yeah. Now you, you go into a place that's in need of clean water. You can literally ship them water. Yeah. In, in plastic bottles. Yeah. For everybody that hates plastic. It's <laughs> when your kid is not dying of thirst. Right. You, you have time to worry about plastic. Right. But what I'm saying is like the, the mechanisms for bringing food and water into areas that are truly places where people are truly dying of starvation has increased so greatly that we are, we are now able to support yeah. people that sincerely need it the most. Yeah. And it's happening. Right. Um, the other thing is we have fed those extra 2 billion people on no increase in the amount of land used for farming. Yeah. Not at all. Huh. What's gotten better is our yields. Our farming yields are way up. And everybody can in America can sit around and debate about the processes being used and all the stuff you brought up, GMOs earlier yeah. and all that kind of thing. Two billion people are not starving. Right. This is good news right. because we were told in the 1990s that that was going to happen. That if the population increased by 2 billion people, yeah. they're all going to be starving. There's going to be massive war. There's going to be massive conflict. Oh, armed conflict <laughs> at an all-time low. <laughs> Random other thing that's good for everyone right. involved. Right. Think about it. What's the major war going on in the world right now? Afghanistan, maybe? I don't know. You could say the war I on terror, but I don't really know. petering out. Yeah. The European Peninsula, fairly stable. Yeah. All of the USSR and former USSR. Yeah. Fairly stable. I mean, there's Crimea. Right, there's right. Still kind of a, an armed all conflict all. going on. Yeah. Yeah, and, but again. I, think, think about it. I mean, it's amazing that we have... We have governments as big as the United States is with their annual revenue mm. and their massive military. And China is bigger now than it ever has been, has more money than it ever has. And yet we're not at war. Yeah. Yeah. At least as of the taping of this podcast, we're not, we're, <laughs> we're not at war. That's true. No, but I, again, but these are the things. These are the things that everybody's always worried about. Whether it's deforestation, whether it's it's issues of plastics, like you're talking about, people starving in the world, whatever. These are the things that, at least in in wealthier societies, these are the things that are consuming everything that we do. These are the worries that we worry. These are the the 
the documentaries that we go and watch and then shake our head and think, man, I just can't believe that. The world is getting worse and worse. And do nothing, of course. We just feel something, and so we think that that has accomplished something. Every um, time you think the world is getting worse, just think of the two billion people that are not starving Not starving, right now. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it is. It's, 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 but it is incredible. I mean, people are just still, they're, they're not happy. They don't want to be happy, and, and that's... More, more people than ever have access to sound money. Yeah, like stable money. Stable money. Yeah. Do you realize that for the course of human history, now is the one point where you can point to that most of the people in the world have a money system that works. Yeah. There's a few places where it's broken. Right. But they kind of broke it. Right. You know. Right. Through. Bad policies. Right, right. <laughs> bad governance, that kind yeah. of thing. But by and large, most people in the world live in a place where there is sound money. Yeah. Youth literacy rates have never been higher. Global coal consumption is trending downward. And we're increasing in the number of people. Right. That's what's crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's in the last decade worldwide, it's become substantially easier to start a business overall. Okay. Worldwide. Think about it. The amount of venture capital that's going into emerging markets, every single one of us that has a 401k can go in and find a fund that you can buy that's like you have your large cap companies, your small cap companies, and your like emerging yeah, companies, yeah. ones that are startups that are – and then you have like you have like foreign small cap emerging markets funds that you can invest in. Yeah. Huh. You mean – very rich people in very rich countries are taking their money to poor countries right. that are starting businesses. Huh. <laughs> is that a, that a weird thing that we're doing today that has never <laughs> happened before? And think whose lives are better off now. Yeah. The, the, more, the more wealth that is, that is in the richer countries actually benefits not only the poor people in those rich countries, but poor people in poor countries. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Are living doubt. conditions in China much better today because of the amount of American business that is happening in China? I would say yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's not there's some conditions that are still horrible. I'm not saying that for right. sure. Nike has all kinds of problems. Yes. <laughs> right now. Yes, and, they do. And other American manufacturers like Foxconn and some of the other mm -hmm. ones have faced huge problems with the way conditions are in their factory. But one of the things that has oh, that's the other thing. Factory deaths are at an all-time low. Um, death and injury at work is an all-time low in the U.S. And glo globally, it's getting, it's, it's getting much, much better. Yeah. You're less likely to die at work. Yeah. And people think that this, that is mostly policy. What, what really happened was the amount of... of wealth and, and business creation that was happening, it actually put a strain on the workforce and there wasn't as many people looking for work and they were able to be more choosy about going to companies that treated their workers safely. Yeah, It wasn't just being lawfully joining a union and passing an act that created the uh, that created OSHA and all of this. The workplace death rates were already declining yeah. prior to that. And, and it had to do with the squeeze on the workforce and work being in a high demand. So you had to pay 
your workers more, and they could be more choosy about where right. they were employed. So what in order environment to was. keep your employees, you didn't kill them. You didn't. Yeah. It was it was easier to train someone and keep them safe than to just let them die on the job. Right. Right. Imagine that. Execution rates in the United States have hit an all-time low. As of when? Like, how, how long has that been the case? Do they have the data for that? Here we go. Yeah, there's data. Um, ah, shoot. Sorry. The link is broken. <laughs> that's all right. My we bad. I'm doing research that's okay. on the we won't worry about. But, that's, the but again, that's the it. thing is... is these that are should the, be easy to find. How many yeah. people we execute every year? Right. I'm sure Texas executes half of them because when you very kill true. someone in Texas, they kill you back. That's very true. Regardless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go kill people in Canada where you're allowed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that reminds me of one of my, that's one of my favorite quotes from Firefly. If somebody tries to kill you, you kill them, you try to kill them right back. It's one of my favorites. I love that show. It's sad. It's not one thing that's getting better. That is that is one thing that was a travesty that never should have happened. That show should never have been canceled. It should still be on to this day. Oh yeah. But um I and I do think that's one of the things that's interesting, you know, so much of the naysayers of of and again, regardless of what you think of whatever political party is in power currently, you know, you're looking at what's going on in the job market, you're looking at what's going on in the economy, you look at what's going on in I mean, you you pick a subject in the United States like these things are all getting better. Yeah. And improving and not and I'm not even going to say who who is always to blame or to or to have credit for that, but it's just a case. It's the case of what's going on right now. So why would you sit and lament and complain about all these things? And that's the thing, most of the things that I'm seeing people freaked out about are the possibilities. It's not yep. what's actually happening. It's that there are possibilities. Well, you can take that to the nth degree all the time. I mean, there's always going to be the possibility. I mean, a meteor could shoot through this house and into the basement and through my head, and I could die right here and right now that way. That is, a, that is a possibility, but not likely of the ways and not to a go, thing I'd, I'm concerned with. That. Yeah, an instant death. <laughs> just just literally light you up right now and be done. You wouldn't wow. even know it. That would be, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't know it at all. But that's the thing is, is we're talking about the possibilities of things yeah. as if they are currently happening only to gin up some kind of weird fear of whether it's the other political side or it's another philosophical side or if it's, you know, white people or black people or whatever. Like, we're constantly trying to create this narrative that there is something underlying underneath the good things that we should be afraid of. And then when that thing never comes to pass, you just move on as if it was never talked about yeah. in the first place. And it's maddening. It's okay. absolutely maddening. So here's something that I wanted to do on our podcast because I think it was Glenn Beck did it like seven or eight years ago. And I thought it was one of the most fascinating things ever done. Okay. He was trying to prove a point about all the things that we were supposed to be afraid of. Yeah. And we're supposed to fear this. We're supposed to fear that, you know. So he had a fear tournament. <laughs> and he, he did it during like March Madness where you had to bracket and he's like, okay. And just had his staff like go through news reports, find all the things that we're supposed to be scared of, put 16 or 32 <laughs> of them in a bracket and like put them head to head. And then they would vote together, which was the most <laughs> scary thing. And then he's like, because I can only be scared of one thing at a time. Yeah. 
I can't be scared of everything right. all the time. I can't. I can't possibly be afraid of all this stuff. Without I need a doubt. to just have the biggest. Give me thing, one, and I'll just be scared of that. That's and, right. And we'll do what we can about that. That's right. And and I'm like, that would be a great thing to do today. <laughs> Except I have a feeling if you put it all on a vote, it'd probably still come down to Trump because that's what everybody talks about all right. the time. I wasn't going to mention it, but it's yeah. like, if you did that today, that's what people would say. And yeah. I'm like, that, that would be garbage. But if yeah. they had stuff on there like uh, terrorism and, you know, uh, hurricanes or weather patterns or uh, or global warming. Yes. Or, or global uh, cooling or yeah. climate change in general or whatever yeah. it's being or called. Or guns <clears throat> or, you know, uh, debt, national debt. Uh, yeah. You know, just random <laughs> things that you're supposed to be, oh, wow, you know. Social security failing, um, you know, what, whatever it is. And uh, kidnappings, murder. You yeah. know, you put the, oh, yes, also on the decline. Yeah. As a percentage. Yeah. <laughs> um, but cancer rates are declining. Right. You wouldn't have guessed that. No. But we're getting better. <clears throat> we're getting better in that. The number of people who smoke on a daily basis has never been lower. I wonder if they count marijuana, but uh, well, that's there. a whole nother thing. I bet that's not reported. No, I don't think well. it is. Yeah, because it's healthy. There it is. The Everyone amount of work-related injuries has never been lower. The amount of work-related injuries has never been lower, and there are fewer mal un, there are fewer undernourished people in the world than ever before. Yeah, like if you and again, this is not to say that that the things that are a problem shouldn't be paid attention to because they should. Yes. But we can't go around acting like the sky is falling because of our... You know, it's it's interesting. It's always something with our piece of the pie. It's whatever we're passionate about that yep. we feel like the world is going to end if it does not change and this, that, or the other. And this is coming from a person with very libertarian views who is very disappointed with how big the federal government is, with how big and involved it is in my life, with how much taxes it takes out of my paycheck every single time I get paid. I have all kinds of gripes. Yep. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that things aren't getting better. I think things would get better faster if some of the policies that I think should be implemented were implemented. And by that I mean regulations were removed and certain government entities were just entirely shut down. But I, I can look at the world and say, yeah, people's lives are better now than they were 30 years ago, than they were 40 years ago, 50 years ago, without question. This is good to remember coming into an election year when yes. you're being told about how bad things have been for the last two yeah. years. And yet when most people look at their paychecks today compared to what they were two years ago, they're seeing an increase. Yeah. And and they're seeing an increase in take-home pay. They're seeing maybe lower taxes, depending if you own your own business or if yeah. you're, well, if and you're that's... self-employed. Um, you're, you're seeing... Almost everywhere except for healthcare, right? Which we massively screwed with somehow. Yeah. Um, but you're seeing you're everything seeing the government touches great turns to progress garbage. over the last two years. People are much better off, and yeah. All of that, but we can't say that because it would mean giving credit to the wrong people, right? But that's the thing. I, I do want I think, you to think about this. When was the last time an election actually had a direct effect on what was going on in your life? When was the last time you were directly affected as you were told you were going to be affected? Not your children's head being on pikes right. or anything. I mean, again, there was, there was legislation. Not because right. we, There's we, been legislation that has been passed that I was very disappointed with, that I was very... We were told that George W. Bush was going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Right. Did it happen? No. No. And it didn't change anything. No. Abortion rates went up under George W. Bush. Yeah. They fell under Barack Obama. Right. It's like... 
That's the exact opposite of what we were told. Suppo- was what's supposed to happen? Exactly, exactly. And so, so, yeah. Just, just for those of you who are the, who are the constant consumers of what's going on in in the news cycle, just take a breath, take a beat, think, and then move forward with whatever you're doing. And I'm not talking about voting for a particular party or coming into alignment with a political ideology. I don't care about that. It's it's taking the moment to to actually look at the reality of what's going on in the world and actually being grateful for what there is to be grateful about. Because that yep. vastly overwhelms all of this other stuff. You but it's not sexy. Like, yeah. being thankful is not sexy. Being f- afraid is. Being, being in danger is. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing. Freedom of the press worldwide. The worldwide freedom of the press is more universally recognized than at any point. Yeah. In history of, yeah. of the world, like there are less oppressive, re- less people living under oppr- oppressive regimes of yeah. where freedom of the press is not recognized yeah. than than at any point. And yet, what are we doing with that freedom? Oh. <laughs> it's like yeah. you, we we are now have a freer press than we've had globally, and yet, what are we doing? We're running around saying how bad things are. Right. All, all the, time. the time. All the time. You're not handling it very well, people. No. You like the people that are in the media that are reporting this stuff, they understand that negativity sells. Right. That that, you know, the latest scandal, the latest gossip, the latest war, the latest fear. Yeah. Like fear sells, you know, and that kind of thing. And it's like what does not sell is being thankful. Right. Is is honoring Right. Your neighbor is all these different things. They don't sell, so they don't get printed. And yet, we're doing better, people. Yeah, we're getting better. Right. Continue, and the, and the thing continue is, continue getting better. Well, and the thing that's funny to me too is when something catastrophic actually does happen, whether it's nine eleven or whether it was the Boston Marathon bombing yeah. or something like that, two political sides that are supposed to oppose each other don't. That's There's at right. least some kind of universality, universality that happens in those moments where all those things get set aside. Now, again, there are other tragedies like school shootings and things like that where they're used for political purposes. But when something happens, we, we, we kind of tend to come together. And at least for a season, we kind of walk along the same path for a while until things get calm enough to where we can start to spat about our, our petty differences again. Um, this school year is going pretty well. Yeah. So far. Yes. We're in October. Yes. Uh, it's not the doldrums of the school year, which right. is like, you know, Jan- December, January, February, yeah. you know, yeah. March. I, I am really curious. Oh, this is so bad. Is Uh-oh. that bad? No, it's not bad. I would love to see, even though school shootings, actual school shootings are not as high as they are purported to be. Like if you actually get into the 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 minutia of the data and actually see what they're actually calling a school shooting it it's way less than what they always are yeah. talking about in the press but i i would love to see how much that would change if you just did something as simple as letting kids be outside more during the school year yeah, I and mean, i know it, that sounds like it's insanity not causation necessarily. it's no it's not causation but i think it is part of the myriad of things that are going wrong you know, with just the stale insanity of, yeah, that's a whole nother there's, thing. There's a lot, there's a <clears throat> lot to be said for taking all of your adolescent males and the ones that are unruly, putting them on medication and forcing them to go into 
what is pretty much a prison. Yeah, in some ways. Because, I mean, you have to go in through these doors. You have to stay here these hours. And then you get to go home or whatever. But it's like, you have to be here. You don't have a choice in the matter. And that hasn't been done for most of human history. Right. Like, boys of 12, 13, 14, 15 were at work in most cultures. They were considered men in most cultures. They were fighting wars. They were doing other things. Like they were living out some type of an adventure. Right. And they're not today. Right. And this is all okay. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not, I'm not making a defense of why people act out or anything like that. Right. Not at all. It's just like, we are right now in the middle of a grand experiment and we'll see what becomes of it. Right. And by and large, things are, Things are getting better. Getting better, yeah. And people are better educated, which helps. People are more literate, which helps. People understand uh, psychological issues and mental issues in a way they haven't for hundreds of yeah. years. And we're doing better. Like, okay, here's one. Think of what. Think of the life today in America for people that have mental illness or you know are born with a condition such as Down syndrome or something. Yeah how much better their life is today right. compared to what it was even a hundred years ago. Without a doubt. Mental institutions are pretty much not at all the same and where they do exist are much more compassionate than right. they were a hundred years ago. Right. Yeah. So yeah. different things like that, guys, we're, we're getting better. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. That and was again, a weird monologue. But no, it's, 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 <laughs> it's good though. It's, it's true. It's true. And uh, Again, I, I do. I think that this all comes back. It comes back to gratitude. It comes back to being thankful and 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 being grateful for the things we have in our lives instead of looking at the things we don't or worrying about the things we may not have. Uh, yeah. But being thankful for what's happening now and and uh, and just go with that. Yeah, I think people would be a lot happier. They would be a lot happier with each other. Um, and again, the the. I would love to see a revival of, uh, or I guess more of a removal, not a revival of, of anonymity for a lot of what goes on like online. You know, people say things online that they would never say to somebody's face yeah. uh, in person. And and again, I don't think that that's, I don't think that's an indicator that things have gotten worse. I think they've just gotten easy. They're, they're not worse. People have always thought what they've thought. They've always felt what they felt, but they, they had some kind of checks and balances because they were, dealing with a person as opposed to dealing with a screen. So yeah, I mean, it's saying what we want to say the moment we mean to say it has become easier. And therefore people say things that they have to retract later often. Yeah. I think a lot of the people that you think of as being the worst people, if you understood their motivation, you got to sit down and talk with them. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about people that you run into online, not like actual killers, murderers, right. those kinds of people. Not not anything like that, but people you're like, man, that guy's really terrible because right. he says these things. If you were to sit down with them and have a conversation, I haven't had one of those conversations go really, really poorly where I came away and was like, oh, yeah, that guy really is spawn of Satan. Like, right. He's just awful. Right. You know? Yeah, and again, judging somebody's motives is is it's tough. It's tough in any, any – it's very hard to get accurately. Yeah. So, it, you know, mostly just leave it alone. And what they say is what they say. And you can deal with the fallout as you move forward. But yeah. Yeah. Things are getting better. But we like to complain about the things that could be, the things that might, the things that will or will not. And uh, 
you know, it's a sad thing. I, I, I think, I think the, only, the only thing I would say has gotten worse is our focus on what could be. Yeah. As opposed to our focus of what is. And again, comes comes down to me for, for gratitude. Comes down to gratitude. That's right. Being thankful for what we've got and we're gonna leave you guys with that. And I just wanna just wanna say this week your action step is to find something that you're thankful for. Yes. And just thank God for it. Or, you know, thank whoever it is that gave it to you. Yeah. You know, if if um if it's your parents that set you up well, if it's your if it's your hard work or your assistance from your spouse or whoever it was that, that really helped you get to where you are today or that one particular thing that you're thankful for, tell that person or thank yeah. God for it. Because, yeah, um, yeah that would be a great action step. Without a doubt. And, and carry hope in your heart. Always. Don't let people steal your hope. Don't right. let them steal your joy. You know, turn the news off. Yes, <laughs> that would be a good one. Just for a while, just for a week. You will like life. That's for right. a week. Listen to our podcast when you feel like the need to listen to There news. you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> We're informative enough. That'll give you something. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot for listening, and uh, we will see you next week. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.